Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. following list describing 10 characteristics of a gracious person. First, a gracious person is slow to take credit and quick to lavish praise. Second, a gracious person never seeks to embarrass another. Humiliating another person is not in their vocabulary. Third, a gracious person is always thanking others. Fourth, a gracious person does not monopolize conversations. They realize that someone else has something to offer. Fifth, a gracious person does not try to play one-upmanship, like saying, well, that's nothing. You should, see, you should have seen what I did. Uh, sixth, a gracious person pays attention to people. They listen. Sometimes people come away from such people saying, they made me feel like I was the most important person at that moment. Seventh, a gracious person desires to say what is appropriate. Eighth, a gracious person looks out for the comfort of others. They say things like, would you like a cup of coffee? What about a Coke? Can I get you something while I'm out? And so on. Ninth, a gracious person understands that they are not indispensable. There is humility in realizing that you are dispensable. Tenth, a gracious person constantly points out the good that they see, and they look for the good. They say things like, this restaurant has outstanding peach pie, and the service is great. Or I just love the way you've planted your garden. It is absolutely beautiful. We who have been saved by the grace of God are taught to live out the grace of God and to be a gracious people. You see, so many of these ten gracious characteristics in the Apostle Paul in his letter to a brother in Christ, Philemon, and how politely and respectfully he addresses a sensitive issue concerning Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus. Paul lived the grace he taught to the body of Christ. Paul is a great example to us of how we should do so in our lives. Philemon chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 read, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake... I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul now comes to the main purpose of his letter to Philemon. Paul begins by reminding Philemon that since he had invested authority by the Lord Jesus Christ as an apostle, he could have used that right as an apostle to boldly command Philemon as to what was proper what was right in the case of Onesimus. That's what he means when he says, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. As an apostle, he could justifiably have said to Philemon, it is your duty, brother, as a believer in Christ, to forgive, accept, and restore this runaway slave. Paul could have ordered him to do it. 
And Philemon no, no doubt would have obeyed that. But it would have been a hollow victory. And it would not have been grace. The reference to Paul's authority is gently placed there for a brief moment and then pulled back. It's a reality. It lurks in the background if it's needed. And Paul then, he reaches for Philemon's heart and he acts in grace when he says, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. Paul chose not to exercise his apostolic authority. Instead, he leaves the matter up to Philemon. He chooses the path of love. Paul appeals in Christian love to him for love's sake, he says, and he gives Philemon an opportunity to manifest the love that so characterized his life and service for Christ as we read of in verses 5 and 7. And when the grace of God rules in the heart, it isn't I command, but instead it's I beseech. Paul beseeched and begged Philemon for Onesimus' sake. As sinners saved by grace, grace is to be in our hearts and grace is to be lived out in our dealings with others. others. Grace is to characterize our speech. As Paul told the Colossian believers, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Paul was very gracious here in the manner he wrote Philemon about this sensitive situation. Philemon chapter 1 verses 10 through 11 say, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Graciously, Paul again beseeches and begs Philemon regarding Onesimus. He tells Philemon that Onesimus was now a believer. Paul had begotten him in his bonds and his imprisonment. Paul had led Onesimus to the Lord in Rome. He was now Paul's child in the faith, his spiritual son, as he calls him, my son Onesimus. Since that was so, Paul felt, and he did, have a responsibility to Onesimus. Thus he had a natural concern as to his state and to his, as to his future, too. But imagine Philemon's surprise as he read that. And he learned that this scoundrel Onesimus, who had robbed him and then ran away, had gotten saved. And on top of that, that it was the Apostle Paul who was the one who led him to the Lord in faraway Rome. And the same person who led Philemon to the Lord, led Onesimus to the Lord. One commentator put it well, one of the hidden delights of the Christian life is to see God working in marvelous, miraculous ways, revealing himself in converging circumstances that cannot be explained by coincidence or chance. The thing we need to picture in our mind's eye also is that Onesimus is standing there right in front of Philemon as he reads these words. I imagine in my mind that as soon as that door cracked open, Onesimus gave the letter to Philemon very quickly, probably saying, here, read this, as quickly as he saw him. In stealing and running away, Onesimus had done a very wicked thing that most times resulted in severe consequences and punishment. But now Onesimus had done a very noble and righteous thing. He had come back humble, penitent, to face the man that he had wronged. He is looking into the eyes of the one against whom he committed his crime. But he comes back as a forgiven sinner in Christ 
And that is what Paul is appealing Philemon to do for Onesimus, to by grace forgive him as God had forgiven him in Christ. He wanted Philemon to live out what he wrote the Colossian church, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In verse 11, Paul points out Onesimus' transformation by grace. First, Paul acknowledged that in time past, Onesimus was not profitable, especially after he ran away. But now, after getting saved, he was profitable to Philemon and to Paul. And Paul's using here a fun play on words because Onesimus' name in the Greek means profitable, helpful, or useful. And in this verse, Paul is saying that in the past, profitable was not profitable. But now, profitable is profitable. Profitable to you, profitable to me. Paul is saying that Onesimus, or profitable, he did not live up to his name in time past. He wasn't very useful or helpful. But now, Paul is sending him back to Philemon, saying he's going to live up to his name now. Now he is profitable, both to you and to me. Onesimus had been unprofitable, but now due to the transforming power of God and God's grace, he had become profitable and useful. God had changed him radically so that he did a 180 from being unprofitable to profitable. And he quickly became a great help to Paul. Verse 13 says that he was ministering to Paul in his imprisonment. Paul considered him a brother beloved in verse 16. When Paul dispatched a fellow worker named Tychicus to deliver the letter to the Colossian church into Philemon, he sent Onesimus with Tychicus, who Paul described in Colossians 4.9 as a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So together, Tychicus and this fugitive slave traveled from Rome to Colossae on the vital mission of delivering two inspired letters of your Bible. You could say that Onesimus was a duct tape believer. We use duct tape for everything. Duct tape can be used to fix a tent. You use duct tape to remove splinters, patch a hose, remove lint, uh, put on the bottom of the legs of your furniture to protect your floors, repair a cracked window. I've even seen people use the roll of duct tape as a cup holder. So there's on and on the uses of duct tape. Duct tape has many different uses, and likewise, Onesimus was useful for anything and everything he was asked to do, able to be used for many, many purposes in the Lord's service. After we get saved, God wants us to be available and useful like this too, being grateful to be used by the Lord by His grace. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Thessalonians is a hardcover, 182-page commentary written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamp and covers both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. In this work, Pastor Stamp shows how consistently Clearly and emphatically, these letters teach the rapture of the members of Christ's body to be with Him before the prophesied tribulation begins. 
To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Philemon chapter 1, verses 12 through 14 read, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul chose to send Onesimus back to Philemon, but he helped Onesimus by sending with him a personal letter for Philemon, interceding on Onesimus' behalf. When Onesimus arrived, Paul pleads with Philemon in his letter to receive him, that is, my own bowels. Paul asked him to receive him because he was sending Philemon his very heart, you could say. That's how much he thought of Onesimus. He was dear to him. The word bowels speaks of a deep, strong, gut-level feeling of affection and care uh, that Paul had for this now very useful man. The word receive speaks of full acceptance to receive and welcome one into one's family circle. Paul Onesimus was now family in the Lord, and Paul wanted Philemon to fully accept him as that. Onesimus was so helpful to Paul that his personal preference would have been to keep Onesimus with him in Rome. Because if you think about it, who would benefit more from a committed servant of the Lord? A wealthy businessman in a nice city or an aged man in prison? And Paul writes that keeping Onesimus would have been an opportunity for Philemon to minister to Paul in the bonds of the gospel by him providing Paul with an, an assistant. Paul assumes here that if Philemon knew how useful Onesimus had been to him, how important he had become to Paul, if he knew how he was so strengthened by Onesimus, Philemon would have wanted him to stay, wished him to stay, and insisted probably that he stay in Rome and act as Philemon's own gift to Paul to do what Philemon would have done for Paul if he could have in his stead. But to keep Onesimus would not have been right to do without Philemon's knowledge or permission. And Paul chooses not to do what would benefit him. He chooses to do what's right. And that is an example of living out the righteousness of Christ in our lives. You can see the word right in righteousness. And that's what we are called to do in life, to do what's right, what's good, and what's proper. Practical righteousness is God's will for our lives. God's grace teaches and trains us, as Titus says, to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Sending Onesimus was the right thing to do. Paul writes Philemon, without thy mind would I do nothing, or without his consent. In other words, he would not keep Onesimus. And then he adds that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. 
Paul would not force a kindness from Philemon by keeping his slave with him in Rome. He would not force that good deed on Philemon by compulsion when it should come from the heart and be done by permission and a loving willingness on Philemon's part. Philemon chapter 1 verses 15 to 16 say, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. The word perhaps there is a beautiful word. Perhaps is a word that is describing the circumstances of Onesimus and Philemon as being under the providence of God, the behind the scenes working of God Almighty, who is always at work in our lives. Perhaps, or even though such things are secret and known only to God, Paul writes that it is a reasonable assumption to say that God was at work in this. On this side of glory, we can't dogmatically define the hidden purposes of God in providence. So Paul, writing as a man, writes that perhaps God worked and brought good out of this bad situation. The good, of course, of Onesimus' salvation and a new relationship that could be now between him and his master, Philemon. Paul writes that perhaps Onesimus had departed or run away, left for a little while, so that when he came back, that Philemon could receive him forever. Paul writes again how Philemon should receive Onesimus back and fully accept him. He points out how their temporary separation had now led to a relationship between Onesimus and Philemon that would be forever different and better especially now that they had an eternal relationship as brothers in Christ. Onesimus left for Rome as a slave, but he returned to Colossae as a brother. Paul didn't want Philemon to receive Onesimus merely back merely as a servant, but above a servant, as a beloved brother in the Lord. Paul's loss was Philemon's gain. He would now know, as Paul knew, Onesimus as a brother beloved, both in the flesh or in this physical life as they work together, and in the Lord, or in the Lord's, uh, in their spiritual relationship as they fellowshiped, worshiped, and grew into Christ together as believers in Him. Philemon chapter 1, verses 17 to 19 read, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, Put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Paul writes Philemon, If thou count me therefore a partner. Paul was a partner, a companion with Philemon in the ministry. And since this was so, and they shared the same values and convictions in Christ, Philemon should receive Onesimus. Paul asked Philemon previously to receive Onesimus as his own heart and to receive him forever. And here he asked Philemon to receive Onesimus as he would receive Paul himself. Now, if you think about it, if Paul were to come to Philemon's home, 
he would have fully welcomed the Apostle Paul, rolled out the red carpet for him, would have taken the best care of him possible and to make him to make sure he was comfortable. Philemon would have put him in the nicest room in his house, fed him the best food, and taken care of his every need. And Paul tells Philemon, do that for Onesimus. Treat him as if it were me. Forgive him as if you were forgiving me. Accept him as if you were accepting me. That's how fully he wanted Philemon to receive and uh, and accept Onesimus back into his home. Verse 18 is what makes it seem evident that Onesimus had robbed his master, uh, probably to finance his escape. Philemon had also lost the financial benefit of Onesimus' service for the time that he was gone. Onesimus didn't have any money or resources to pay the debt that he owed, and so Paul offers to settle everything for Onesimus. Paul recognizes that restitution should be made, and he was willing to pay whatever restitution was necessary for Onesimus to be reconciled to Philemon. So Paul tells Philemon, put it or impute it to his account, that Paul would repay it. This letter written with Paul's own hand was like a binding contract that Paul would repay whatever Onesimus owed his master. Verses 20 to 21 read, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. If Philemon was to comply with Paul's request to receive and forgive Onesimus, it would have brought much joy and refreshed and encouraged Paul's heart. And Paul had complete confidence that Philemon would go beyond what was requested out of Christian brotherhood and love. And it is to be characteristic of believers to do more than is requested. Out of gratitude for God's grace, we should do even more in our service to our Savior. I think that we can safely conclude that Philemon brought much joy to the Apostle Paul and proved his love by receiving Onesimus completely with wide open arms. The reason being because this letter would have never been made public if Philemon had punished Onesimus or had put him to death. He would have crumpled it up and thrown it in the fire. I think Philemon once and again manifested the love which so characterized his life and service for Christ. Within the book of Philemon, in the account of Onesimus, you find a picture of the gospel, of our position in Christ, and the application of this into everyday life. Martin Luther loved this little letter, and he once wrote, We are all Onesimi. And we are all, in other words, runaway slaves, slaves to sin that need love, forgiveness, and grace. As lost, runaway sinners like Onesimus, one author put it well when he says, We have trampled God's grace, turned from our rightful master, and spurned his love. Onesimus sinned, and Onesimus ran away from his owner. The penalty for a runaway slave was death. Onesimus had a debt he could not repay. No matter how long he worked, 
no matter how good he behaved in the future, he'd broken the law and justice demanded his life. And that is the exact picture of every one of us. We are all lost, runaway sinners under a death penalty. The wages of our sin is death spiritual and eternal death and separation from God. We've all broken God's law and his justice demands death as the payment for sin. But like Paul did for Onesimus in paying the price for there to be reconciliation with his master Philemon, so Christ did the same for us so that we might be reconciled to God. As verse 18 says, If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, or anything, put that on mine account. Each of us have wronged God. Each of us owe him a debt that we could never repay because of our sins. God in his holiness could never ignore the debt that we owe, as God must be faithful to his own law, his righteousness, and his justice. But in amazing grace, he paid the debt for us. What we owed, the wrong we have done, all of our sins were put to Christ's account at the cross. And by Christ shedding his blood for us at Calvary, he paid our unpayable debt and our sin debt was settled and paid in full at the cross. At the cross, our sins were imputed to Christ's account as our substitute, he suffered and died and paid the penalty for all our sins. And at the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, his righteousness is put to our account and we are reconciled to God forever. And we now no longer have a sin debt. We have been given the very righteousness of Christ. We are reconciled to God forever, all by the amazing grace of God. In verse 17, regarding Onesimus, Paul told Philemon to receive him as myself. Another amazing thing that occurs at the moment you trust Christ as your Savior is that you are baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. You are united with Christ eternally. God's people are so identified with Christ that God receives them as God receives his own Son. We are accepted in the Beloved, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and thus we are fully received, fully welcome in the presence of God forever. That word receive, again, means to receive, to welcome into one's own family circle. Imagine a slave being received into his master's family. That is surprising. But then imagine a guilty sinner being received into the family of God, and that is staggering. But Christ says the same to God the Father regarding us who have trusted Him as our Savior. Receive Him as myself. And we are as near and as dear to God the Father as His own Son. You see, what you have here in the epistle to Philemon is the gospel of the grace of God acted out, lived out in a practical way. Paul applied his knowledge of imputation, substitution, and acceptance in Christ. And this is what makes that this letter such a precious letter.
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.